There's this song, and uh, I don't know it well. I really don't. And, and it's, I was looking at this, and it's just a beautiful song. It says, Trust and Obey. How many know that song? All right. How many are over 40 and know that song? How many under 20 know that song? All right. Trust and Obey. The song was written in 1871 by a, by a, a minister, a, a United Methodist minister. He wrote the song. It's Trust and Obey. The words of the song are simple. They say, Trust and Obey. For there's no other way. Come on, how many know as a child of God, there's no other way but to just lean on Jesus. That's it. And to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Amen. Amen. I was going to try to sing this, but I know I'll destroy it. So we're not going to do it, all right? And so, but, uh, but hey, that sounds really good. You're playing it. I know you're playing it right there. And so uh, how many will say, hey, I want to trust and I want to obey the Lord in all that I do. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, 1 Kings chapter 9. And and I've titled this sermon just simply Trust and Obey because it doesn't need any other other, uh, lead in other than that. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. I got a lot of text today. But I, I want to tell a story today. I want to I want to tell a story. If you'll stick with me, this will be a little, maybe a little bit different than what you're normally used to hearing from me. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Uh, but uh, but I do want to. I want you to just soak this in. First Kings chapter nine verses one through nine says this: As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, and the king's house. And all that Solomon desired to build, verse 2 says this, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. Everyone say a second time. And as he appeared to him at Gibeon, look at this, verse 3. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have uh, consecrated this house that you have built by by." Putting my name there forever, my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Verse 3, or, or yeah, verse 3, or verse 4. As for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have com- uh, commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules. Everyone say, keeping my rules. Verse 5. Then I will what? Your royal throne over Israel forever. Everyone say forever. As I promised David your father, saying you shall not lack a a man on the throne of Israel. Verse 6. But if you turn aside, all right? But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, uh, then I, uh, I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them. And the house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. Verse 8. And the house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done thus in the land to this house? Then they will say, because, thy, uh, because they abandoned the Lord, uh, their God, who brought 
uh, their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on uh, to other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. There's a whole lot to read there. Can you go back to verse 1 and 2 for me, Tristan, real fast? As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, look at this, verse 2, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. Everyone say second. And as he appeared to him at Gibeon, verse 3, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name on it forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. I want to speak to you today on this simple subject of trust and obey. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for this word today. God, I thank you for your powerful word. God, I pray, Lord, that there would be application of, of uh, practical today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. The Holy Spirit's moving in this house and ministering and touching right now. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw us to you today. God, I pray, Lord, that we leave here changed forever and ever. Lord, that we would hear your voice clearly, more clearly than we have. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So let, let me read this. So that the text that I read you was in, in, in chapter 9. And, and it says that God appeared to Solomon a, what, a second time. He came back to a second time. And that, that's amazing to me. How many love when God uh, comes and speaks to you, right? When God gives you a revelation, when God gives you a word. I mean, that's important. The God, God is constantly speaking to us, amen? And, and matter of fact, he's constantly speaking to us through this thing right here, the word of God, through the Bible, amen? But, but here, the Lord actually uh, spoke to Solomon in, um, in, in chapter 9. But if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, he, what happened was his dad uh, had passed away. And he had became king. His, his dad was King David. And he has made his way to Gibeon. And there he was at the tabernacle because the temple was not yet built. David was in the process of trying to, to, to honor God to build the temple. And God said, hey, David, you cannot build the temple because you are a man of war. And it, your hands are, you have blood on your hands, so you cannot build the temple. So, so David started the process of, uh, of, of basically fundraising, getting things together to build this temple. And so, uh, so here Solomon move forward here he's going out to the tabernacle which is and uh, which is you know basically out in Gibeon and there he is offering the bible tells us in chapter 3 that he offers thousands of burnt offerings not one thousands of burnt offerings everyone said that's a lot of sacrifice and then what happens is uh, god came to him in a dream and asked solomon he said solomon what do you want how many would love for the Lord to come to you in a dream and say hey what do you want everyone say oh Lord please do that for me tonight and this is amazing to me Solomon he said Solomon said this he said I, I, I want wisdom Lord I want wisdom how many of you would ask for wisdom oh man that's the right answer pastor I know I'm supposed to raise my hand on that now, how many would ask for money come on somebody right all right, come on, I'm just being real. But Solomon, he asked for wisdom. He said, Lord, you were faithful. Listen to me. This is what he says in chapter 3. Lord, you were faithful to my father, and you gave favor to him. 
And I love Solomon's approach here. He's very humble and he's, he's young. He says, Lord, I'm young. I'm a child. And I need wisdom to rule and to judge uh, these people well and to help me to know the difference between right and wrong. How many know that wisdom will help you and keep you from right and wrong? How many know that God will give you wisdom if you ask for it? Amen? God will give you wisdom if you ask for it. All right. All the parents said amen. <laughs> I'm not picking on you guys. But, but, but Solomon was wise, and he said, Lord, you, you, you know the right answers. And, 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 and he says, Lord, give me, give me wisdom. And, 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 he, and you know what? God gave him wisdom. And what happened? Solomon became rich. Solomon became popular. He was well loved and 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 and, and well known, and his wisdom would carry him over. Matter of fact, his wisdom would help him continue the work of building the temple. Uh, you know, and I talked about his dad, but but Solomon he pressed forward here to build the temple. In in First Kings chapter three, all right, First Kings chapter three, uh, God comes to Solomon. He's young, says, "Hey, what what do you want?" He says, "I want wisdom." God gives him wisdom, and then he continues to build the temple. So check this out. A little bit of time passes between uh, chapter 3 and chapter 9, okay? You ready for this? Most of you guys are going to be amazed down here in this section right here. 20 years passes by. Whoa. Come on. Some of you people in here who have lived over 20 years are like, man, 20 years goes by like that, right? 20 years goes by, and, and here we find in 1 Kings chapter 9, the Lord appears unto him Again, that's a long time to go without hearing from the Lord, right? Uh, this is amazing. I love this. There's so much that we can learn from this. So, so God made a promise to Solomon, and, and King Solomon trusted and simply obeyed the Lord. That's, he said, Lord, I, I'll do what you tell me to do. God, I will build this temple. And he began to build this temple. And now check this out. For about 385 years, this kingdom uh, would be, you know, it would exist, but it would be divided, right? There was Judah, the southern, the southern kingdom, and then the other tribes of Israel. They were the northern kingdom, and, and they had all kinds of issues. But three, for 385 years, this kingdom would be divided. There would be some good kings. Yeah, there would be some bad kings. Boo, right? It's kind of like our president. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes, all right, we'll just leave that alone right there. But but it, it's it's interesting. So they would they would go through this cycle, but finally in 586 B.C., okay, so some about, you know, 385 years, 586 B.C., Babylonian Empire comes in and they siege uh, Jerusalem and they just, they just, wipe out Jerusalem. They take out Jerusalem, and they, they wipe them out. Isaiah 64, you can hear the cries of Israel, okay? Now, Solomon wasn't king. He, had, he was long gone, 385 years later, but, but you could hear the cries of Israel uh, at this time. And In and, and, and Isaiah 64, they, they say these things. They say things through the prophet Isaiah. They say, Lord, that you would rend the heavens. Lord, that you would open up the heavens, that you would come down to our situation right now. Because it is bad here in Jerusalem. The Babylonians have come in, and they are tearing us up. They are burning our city down. They are taking us siege. They are overpowering us. It's a bad situation. Matter of fact, and, and I, I believe it's verse 11 or 12, it says, it's so bad that the holy temple that, that Solomon had built is on fire, and it is just a big pile of rubble. 
and is being destroyed. And they're saying, God, we need your help. Where are you, Lord? Have you ever asked God that? God, I need your help. I'm a burning heap right now, and I need you to show up right now. Why are you silent? Matter of fact, is what they what the, what the scripture tells us. So, uh, man, have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? You ever felt that way? You ever felt like I'm just hey, we're gonna get real today, all right? Let's just get real. Let's just get down. Let's. I should have just put a table up here. We could all sit across the table. Have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? Israel did right here because, hey, they had put their trust in him, and and they had been through some high times and low times, and and it's dark, and it seems impossible. And they're like, Lord, could you fix this? Lord, we know that you could fix this really fast. Lord, if you rend the heavens, Lord, you could could send down fire. Lord, you could knock out the Babylonians, and we could have our city back. But, But God allows the Babylonians to do what they were going to do, all right? How many have prayed uh, those kind of prayers? God, come to my situation right now. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you, right? It's so bad. It's so terrible. I I don't know what I could do. But here's here's the truth is this. The truth is God allowed this to happen to them because of their sin and their disobedience. Sin and disobedience will always lead to your downfall. Spiritually to, to the Lord. When, when we are disobedient or willfully disobedient to the Lord. See, the promise God made Solomon in Israel was this. He said, uh, he said, I will keep you if you do these things. And God kept his promise, right? But Israel did not keep their promise to him. Matter of fact, Solomon at the end of his life would allow other gods to come into the temple and they would be placed in the same level in the temple because of all his wives. They would come in and they, they begin to worship other gods. You say, boy, that's a sad case. I, I understand that. But God made a promise. He said, hey, I will let this kingdom exist forever and ever. But here's the clause. You need to be obedient to what I'm asking you. You need to follow my commandments. You need to follow what, what I've shown you. And this is what they simply did. They just let other gods, other idols into their lives. How easy things creep into our lives. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, God has has his rightful place in our lives. And it is above everything that we can honor, uh, that that we want to put up on a pedestal. There's no idol. There's nothing that we should be placing before the Lord. Amen. Amen. Listen to me, married people, your spouse does not go before your relationship with the Lord. God has his rightful place. God has his rightful place. And, and that is where they're at. And Israel, they're struggling and they're, 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 in, they're in turmoil in their city and they're being taken away, right? It's a bad situation. And let me tell you something. God is interested in our eternity more than he is your comfort. God will let you go through some stuff sometimes, so he'll, so he'll change your perspective. So you'll lean into him, so you'll rely on him. I'm going somewhere with this. I know I'm laying a little bit of a foundation today. I promise we're going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're going somewhere. All right. How many know that sometimes it's dark, and we go through trials, and we go through situations, and this is what happens. I like this. Uh, you know, we, we do this. Uh, we project our pain towards the Lord sometimes. Come on. The very pain that we have inside of us, we look at God and say, God, why are you letting this happen? 
And we, we, we do that. We call that projection, right? If you go to a therapist, they'll say, you're projecting something inside of you that you don't like, right? And, and so we project our pain and, and, and our struggle towards the Lord. And we say, God, where are you? I'm hurting. And most of the times when I get this way, I realize that I, I'm somewhere where I've leaned into my own understanding and not leaned into him. Proverbs, right? 3, 5, trust the Lord God with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. And he will what? Oh, he's going to show you your path. All you got to do is lean into him. But here's the problem. I like to get my paws in the middle of God's plans. And I want to talk just a, just a little bit today. I, I want to get down to the nitty-gritty, down to the where the rubber meets the road today. And some things that I think we can glean from Solomon here in this first bit of this scripture. Now, he had his downfalls. I, know, I understand that. But listen, you got your downfalls too. Come on, somebody, right? And so uh, I want to just talk to you about this. I want to talk to you on this simple subject of trust and obey him. Trust and obey him. All right, here's number one. If you're a note taker, I promise I'm not going to be long today. Everyone say there are miracles in the house, all right? Number one, God has a timing. Number one, God has a timing. God has a timing. Let me tell you something. Uh, There's a time span in this story, right? There's a 20-year interval between the time that Solomon, when God first appears to Solomon, and then when God appears to Solomon the second time. That's a long time. Some of you are like, I can't even imagine what 20 years are like, all these kids down here. They don't even understand. I remember when I turned 10 years old, I was like, I'm a decade. Now I'm like, man, I wish I was a decade younger. Right? 20 years. How many know that 20 years, uh, man, that's a long time to wait on something, right? Matter of fact, you know, sometimes if we aren't careful, we read the Bible really fast and we read it quick and we forget that there are time spans in the Bible. And some things don't just happen, just boom, boom, boom. We're a microwave world, right? God, give me my answer right now. God, I prayed, so I'm ready for my answer. And God's like, oh, wait. Just wait just a minute, right? It's like when you go to the doctor and your appointment's at 2.30 and at 2.45 you're still waiting. And at 2.50 and finally at 2.55 they call your name you're like, Man, what in the world? You, you, you just, sometimes you just got to wait, right? In the book of Acts, I'll give you a good example. The Holy Spirit was moving, amen? And he, and he was doing great things. Miracles were happening, amen? And they were happening all over, the, all over the place. But the book of Acts was written. Do you know how the time span that the book of Acts was written? 32 years. It was 32 years. There are 16 recorded miracles in the book of Acts, okay, 16. That means that there was a miracle, if we want to divide that, every two years. How many know that sometimes we think they were just miracle, miracle, miracle. It doesn't mean they weren't happened because they weren't, maybe they weren't recorded. But the recorded ones, man, they're spaced apart. And sometimes God's timing is slower than what we want it to be, amen. You ever been there? God, your timing and my timing, we're not meshing right now. I'm in a hurry, and you're just over there taking your time and relaxing. How many know, remember the story of Abraham? You know, he was promised a son at the age of 75. Some of you would have a heart attack if if God promised you a son at the age of 75, right? And, and, And you know how long Abraham had to wait for that promise? 25 years. He was 100. Woo! 100 years old. 
25 years he, he waited, 25 years of waiting. In Mark chapter 4, we see the disciples, and they're fighting a storm at the Sea of Galilee. And you know what? They're, they're, they're just tearing, and they're fighting, and they're fighting. And it's crazy because Jesus is right there in the middle of the boat, right? And, and they're like, man, we don't know what to do. And then they go down, they wake up. Jesus Jesus goes up, and he's like, hey, chill out. Psh, calm down. Psh, right? I, I put that in modern vernacular just so you know, so you would understand. And, and, and he calmed the sea. And, and it's amazing to me. God, you know, I, I love this, this old saying, you know, pastors, I've heard pastors, old time pastors say this. Uh, God is never late, but he's seldom early. But he is always right on time. Amen. God is always, always on time. Now, he's not always on my time, but he's always on his time. And he is always right on time. So what happens? Hey. What happens? Here's the question. What happens when God's timing doesn't line up with my timing? I get anxious. I get worried. I get stressed out. I start putting my hands in. I start meddling into what God is trying to do. And God's like, will you get your hands off of that? Will you? It's like getting into mom's cookies, right? She's like, I'm not done making those. Get your paws off of those. Those things need to cool, right? But we're so quick and anxious. And we feel left in the dark. And, and Lord, uh, I'm looking for you to show up again and, and give me revelation. But it seems like you've been gone for such a long time. Hey, listen, if you've ever felt that way. Anybody ever felt that way? Hey, you're in good company. You're in good company. Let me tell you why. Uh, you know, because uh, Solomon waited 20 years. Abraham waited 25 years. Moses was 40 years on the backside of the desert. Come on, somebody, before leading God's people out. David uh, ran from Saul for 22 years before he became king. He was anointed at a young age. In 22 years, he, he was going about those things. So the, the wisest king, Solomon, the friend of God, Abraham, the great leader and emancipator of Israel, Moses, the, the king after God's own heart, were all used by God, but they all had this thing in common. They had to wait. I don't like to wait. How many get in a hurry in the drive-thru? How many know you want a gourmet meal at home, but you use the air fryer instead of the oven? Come on, somebody. Someone speaking. To, I knew I'd get to food before too long. It didn't take me long. I, waiting is hard. It's it's tough. But character is built in the waiting. Character in us and our and God's character, trusting in God is built in the waiting. So not only did they have to wait, but they but here's the thing, God doesn't always give you the clear direction sometimes, right? Uh, Abraham, hey, go to a land. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but go ahead and leave right now. Leave your family, go ahead and go. What does that mean, Lord? Where am I going? Just start walking. Okay. Right? That takes faith. Sometimes there's no revelation or new direction, and it seems like the Lord is leaving you in the dark. I, I was thinking about this. My mom would kill me if she knew I was telling this story today. My mom is sweet. How many of you have ever met my mom? My mom is the sweetest lady you will ever meet. But let me tell you something. She is a little bit ornery. I know her like you don't know her. And my mom is a little bit ornery. So she has siblings, and she's the second oldest of, of all her siblings. And, and her younger sister, her name is Pat, my Aunt Pat. 
and they lived on a hill in a, in a, on a house in St. Louis. My mom would kill me if she knew I was telling this story. And they were out in the yard playing Blind Man's Bluff. How many know uh, have ever played Blind Man's Bluff? And, and so my Aunt Pat had, had, had a, uh, a blindfold on, and, so, and, and she's listening to directions from all her siblings on where to go in the yard. Now, what you don't know about the, their yard is their yard had a drop-off that went down about 10 feet, and it went down into a ditch, okay? And it was on a hill. And my mom kept telling my Aunt Pat, she, you know, my mom must have been a trickster. She kept telling my Aunt Pat, hey, you need to step away. You need to step to the left. And my Aunt Pat had such a distrust for my mom. She thought, I don't believe you, Sherry. You are lying to me, and you're trying. And my mom was like, don't step to the right. And what did my aunt do? She stepped to the right, and she went over the ledge 10 feet down, tumbling down the hill. Teach her not to trust my mom. I'm just kidding. But there's a distrust there, you know, uh, at, at times. And, and, and here's what we have to understand. Trust is earned. It's not freely given. Trust is earned. It's, it's a process, right? It's built. It's built. Uh, you know, there are friends that I, I, I don't want to pick on anybody. There are friends that I would, if I flew into a major city in the U.S., okay, I'm not going to put a name on this city because some of you know my family, all right? But, but here's the thing. If I was to fly into this major city and I needed somebody to pick me up from the airport, I would call my friends before I called my family because I trust them more on showing up. Doesn't mean I don't love them more, but that means I trust them more. And come on, how many know what I'm talking about? I'll get you. I got you. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to get over there and pick you up. But what am I going to do? You know. So I would call someone else. But but to be trusted, George McDonald said it like this: To be trusted is a greater compliment than to be loved. Right? So you can love someone but not trust them. Right? My Aunt Pat loved my mom. She may not trust her in Blind Man's Bluff, right? I love my family, but sometimes I don't trust them if they're going to pick me up at the airport. Or, or uh, you can be infatuated with someone and not trust them. Look at this, Isaiah 50, uh, verses, verse 10, it says this, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of the servant? That's a good question. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and what? And what? Man, sometimes you feel like you're in darkness. You feel like you don't have fresh revelation. And, and God is saying this. You may not see everything. You may not know the timing. You may not understand everything. But if you will just rely on me, if you will just trust me, if you will just give it over to me, right? How many have ever been there? That trust is the greatest compliment that we can give the Lord. Lord, I trust you with my Life, I surrender to you. Trust. It means this, to transfer your hope and confidence into something else. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? My hope is built on him. My trust is built on him. Oh, there's this great story in, uh, in around 1855, all right? 
uh, uh, when Charles uh, Blundlin, he's an acrobat and a tightrope walker. How many miss those tightrope walkers, all right? He, he claimed he could walk from one side of Niagara Falls to the other on, on a rope. How many know that that's crazy? All right, and, and he said he could do it, and, and, and so some people thought it was impossible without a net, and, and, and the crossing would be treacherous at best. But crowds came, you know, people are always going to come watch someone try to, try to do something crazy. Crowds came, and they paid to watch him make an attempt. Before crossing, he asked the crowd, do you believe I can walk across to the other side? And the crowd, yes, yelled, yes, we believe, right? They were believing. He said, do you believe uh, I can walk to the other side with a man on my back? And they said, the crowd yet yelled, we believe, we're with you. So Blondin said, who will volunteer to take a trip on my back? Silence. Right? It was quiet other than Niagara Falls. I'm sure it was loud. And, 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 and this is what happened. This man raised his hand. He said, I believe. Maybe a little bit crazy. I don't know. And he climbed onto Blundland's back, and the two crossed Niagara, Niagara together. And this man was Harry uh, Calcord, which was Blondland's manager, and he trusted Blondland's strength and ability with all his heart. Now, this is what happens to us in our walk with the Lord. When God says, hey, do you, how many believe that I can bring you out? We believe, Lord, we believe. God, we're with you. And God says, come on, let's walk this out. And we're like, no. I don't want to go through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want to have to go through pain. I don't want to have to go through sorrow. And God's saying, hey, hop on my back and we will go through this together. Trusting in God means this, that, that, that we may be left in the dark at times. Sometimes I, God sometimes doesn't reveal everything open and up front. And he's just like, do this. And you're like, I don't understand why, Lord, but I'm going to do it with all my might because I trust you, Lord. It means we may have to wait on his timing. Come on, somebody. What if God's timing doesn't line up with your timing? Trust him anyways. God, I want to be healed right now. Trust him anyways. I don't know how. I don't know when, but I trust you. Trusting is not just believing. Listen, we can learn that from the story of Blondland. Uh, but it's not just believing, but it is actually, uh, uh, it is trusting in the Lord. It, it is leaning into his strength. It is having confidence and faith in God. Amen. How many would say, hey, I trust the Lord's timing, his ways, and his answers. And what I love about Solomon here, God gives him wisdom, and he's like, God, I'm going to trust your ways, and I'm going to do what you told me to do. Here's number two right here. God has a divine plan. Everyone say, God has a divine plan. So trusting the Lord, this is what I've learned. Trusting the Lord leads to obedience to the Lord. When I trust the Lord, that means I'll obey what he's asked me to do. First uh, Kings chapter 3, God meets Solomon here, and he says, here's, here's some wisdom. Now go build the temple. How many know that God has great things for you to do? I don't care how old you are in the, in the building, God has great things for you to do and accomplish still in your life. How do you know that? Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship. He uh, created in Christ for what? For, for what? God's got something for you to do. 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk them out. God has plans for you. Young people, God has plans for you. Old people, I won't point you out. God has plans for you. I don't care who you are in, in the house. God has plans for you. But look at this, 1 Kings chapter 6. Go, go after 1 Kings, his, his initial meeting with the Lord and his dream. And God gives him wisdom and he starts building a temple. Look at this, 1 Kings chapter 6. This is sandwiched between chapter 9 and chapter 3. It says this, now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you are building. If you will walk in my statutes, come on, walk in the Lord's statutes. Everyone say, and obey. Everyone say, obey. My rules and keep all my commandments and walk in them. Then I will what? The word with you, which I spoke to David your father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. Verse 14, so Solomon did what? And did what? Solomon built the house and finished it. So in the middle of, of that waiting season, God just reminded him, hey, this is what I told you. Right? How many know the Lord needs to remind us sometimes? How many need a good reminder? Some of you wives are touching your husband. Hey, you need a good reminder sometimes, right? Whether it's you or whether it's Solomon, it simply comes down to obedience to the Lord. That's it. It's, it's simple. It's so simple, but we make it so hard. You know why we don't like obedience? Because it's not what we want to do. My will. My will for my life, my desire for my life, and God's like, obey me. You know what I love about the Lord? Oh, he's so patient with us. He's so, so good with us. The Lord gives us one thing at a time to do. You know why? How many have ever tried to do something with a young kid? And I'm not a teacher of kids, but... But when you give them a task and you want to get from point A to point M, okay, A, B, C, D, all through M, you give them point A first, right? First things first, little five-year-old kid. First thing we're going to do, sit down in our seats. <laughs> Done. We got it, right? And that's what I love about the Lord. He gives us step-by-step uh, -step directions. And I, it's amazing to me. So the Lord gives us one thing to do at a time, and the Lord, it, it, he, he waits until Solomon completes that task and is obedient to the task. Build the temple. Now I'm going to come back and give you some more things to do. I love that. That's a beautiful picture for us. That's a good reminder for us. But how many times, listen to me. Some of you need to listen to me right now. How many times do we think we are waiting on God when, in fact, he's actually waiting on us to be obedient to him in the first place? God, I don't hear you. Well, what did I tell you to do? Mm. I kind of forgot about that. Kind of pushed that to the back burner. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. <laughs> the Lord what? Waits. He's waiting. He's waiting to be what? Gracious to you. I've got this blessing I want to give them. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. That word wait means that, he, that we trust in him, that we lean into him. So how often do we think we're waiting on God? But God is waiting on us. What's he waiting on? To see if you'll obey first thing he told you to do. I love this. This is, this is so practical. I know you say, oh, this is so simple, Pastor. Yeah, but why is it so hard to walk out? If it's so simple, why do we struggle so hard to walk this out? So simple. One thing at a time, God. 
one thing at a time. He's given us one thing, and 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 and, and then he gives us the next thing. You know, it, 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 uh, Jesus said this in Matthew eleven thirty. This I love this. Jesus said, "His yoke is easy, and his burden is light." Okay, so check this out. Unlike unlike your boss at work, the Lord's burden is light. All right. Unlike your coach at school. Come on, or your teacher at school, the the Lord's burden is unlike your spouse, the Lord's burden is light. Or whoever uh, is trying to overburden, not not Jesus, he'll give you instructions. He'll say, hey, one thing at a time here. Let's get through this. And he'll talk to you in a special way, in a a personal way. Do this one thing. You say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about that. Let me give you a good example in the Bible right here. How many know the rich young ruler? Jesus came to him in a personal way, right? And the rich young ruler came to him, and he had a conversation with him. And, and, and Jesus, he said, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you need to follow these commandments. He said, I've done those since I was young. Right? I've done those, those since I was young. And Jesus is like, okay, well, good for you. All right? Well, this is the next thing I need you to do. I need you to go and sell all your goods and give it to the poor. Whew. I don't like that instruction so much. Many of you know this story. The rich young ruler, he, he, he may have did the, the, the first one or thought he did the first one, but Jesus never gave him step two, three, and four. He said, this is what you need to do first, and then come follow me. He didn't say, hey, hey, once you sell all your stuff and then you come to me, then we'll, you'll join the disciples, and then we'll just take this whole world by storm, and you'll be a great minister, and then you'll write a gospel. And No, he didn't tell him all the future that he had for him. He, he laid it out one thing in front of the other, right? The gospel says that Jesus was sorrowful for this young man, but, but he didn't tell him all the blessings beyond his obedience in the first place. It's amazing to me. And, and God doesn't want to burden us with, with things sometimes. And I think God gives us just the necessary things that we need to do to see if we will trust him. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. But it feels like God is a million miles away. How many have ever felt that way? God, I'm trusting you, but I don't hear your voice. I feel like you are, you're not close. Give me a fresh uh, 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 revelation. What am I to do, pastor, you may say. And this is it right here. Listen, you can write this down. This is profound, simply profound and, and <laughs> profoundly simple. Do what you know, and then you'll know what to do. Say what? Do what you know, and then you'll know what to do. I know, that's super simple. Do what, what you can. Let me put it to you this way. Do what you can, and God will do the rest. I'm not hearing from the Lord. Well, when's the last time you picked up this book and listened to what he's telling you and, and heard him speak to you through this? Well, I feel like God's a million miles. When's the last time you devoted to read this thing and to get into this thing and let this thing, not, not only you read it, but let this thing read you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So do what you know, and then you'll know what to do. God told you, hey, do this. I should be doing this. Do this. And then you'll know what to do. It's so simple, right? Do step one, and then God will reveal the next step. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Come on. Come on. Do step one, and then God will, will reveal the next step. So obedience to the Lord always leads to this. these two things. You ready? Obedience to the Lord always leads to direction and protection. Let me say it again because you guys were too busy watching the worship team leave. Listen. 
Obedience to the Lord always leads to direction and protection. Always, always, always. Psalms 33, 18 says, the Lord watches over those that obey him. You follow God's commands. You do what God's asking you. God is going to keep watchful eye over you. He's not going to let you get uh, all messed up. Look at this. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. The Lord establishes or directs our steps. That means he's already got them things ordered. And all you got to do is obey and you got to trust him. God will protect. He'll direct uh, when you do what you've been told. So many of us are looking for the future things and saying, God, I, I need to know this answer. I need to know this answer. And God's like, what about what I ask you to do here? Let me take you back to this spot. Let me take you back to this spot because you haven't done this thing that I asked you to do a week ago. You haven't done this thing that I asked you to do a month ago. You haven't done this thing that I asked you to do a year ago or a decade ago. Come on. God, I don't know what my future is. Do what you know to do. And then you'll know what to do. Notice God's divine plan in Solomon was this. I'm going to give you wisdom. And, and he began to trust God. He was obedient to God. I'm going to build this temple. Take me a long time. Take me a lot of resources. Take a lot of things. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I, 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 and, and he built and he built and he built. And obedient for 20 years, the temple was built. Right? God showed up to him the second time and gave him revelation again. It's amazing to me. What about Abraham? He gave, God gave Abraham his son. Was it in, was it in Abraham's timing? No. Moses led the people of Israel out, but it took a lot longer than he anticipated. It was harder than what he thought, right? Things change sometimes. David was king. Jesus he calmed the storm in the boat for the, for the disciples. I, I love this. So let me ask you these questions, and I, I'm closing. What is God's divine plan for you? This is inner, inner perspective right here. This is for you. Don't look at anyone in the room. This is for you. What is God's divine plan for you? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever, ever, ever in your mind or in your heart thought, man, what, what is God's plan for my life? What, what is God's uh, divine plan? What is he up to? Maybe you aren't hearing the Lord today. Listen to me. Maybe you're not hearing the Lord closely today. I'll give you some reasons. Because, number one, he's waiting on you graciously to, to go back and be obedient to what he told you to do. What is that, Pastor? Well, here's the thing. I want you to reflect on these things. Think about this real fast. There's two groups I want to talk to. I want to talk to those who don't know Christ. I want to talk to those who do know Christ, all right? It's going to be, be different. Everyone say, it's all right. Pastor's different. We'll be different today. It's okay. Here's the first question. What was the last thing God asked you to do? Let me ask you this. Did you do it? Were you obedient? Did you trust him? Did you trust him in the process? Were you prideful and say, I, I can't do that right now, God. I'm not capable of doing that. I didn't ask you that. I asked you to do this, right? How about this? To the unbeliever, maybe God's asking you to trust him, to surrender, to give your life to him. Let me ask you this. Did you do it? What kept you from doing it? Why are you here today? Did the Holy Spirit draw you here today? Did the Holy Spirit invite you here? Did you come here today because you needed to hear this? 
can I tell you something? Here's the good thing about God. He's gracious, he's patient, and his invitation is still here. He's saying, come, come. It's, it's a great thing. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I, I love that bit of scripture. God pays the price. He does all that. It, it's nothing that we do. You know what? All he asks is for us to just trust in him and put our faith in him. Simple. Super simple. If you're here today, bow your heads with me. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you an invitation to know him today. You're here under the sound of my voice and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need to put my trust in Jesus. I need to give my heart to Christ. I need to give my life to Christ today. If that's you, by the raising of your hand, anybody in the building, can we just tarry just a moment here in this, this time? We, we rest just a moment. We wait just a moment. Faith is trusting in Jesus, not just believing, but trusting him. Like the man that got on the tight roper's back. I don't just believe you can do it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into you. I'm going to walk this with you. Just a moment. Just a moment longer. All right. Second group. I, I, and I'm just going to assume that I'm speaking to believers here. All right. But what was the last thing God asked you to do? Let me ask you a tough question. Did you do it? What do you mean, Pastor? Did God ask you to forgive someone? Did you do it? Did, did God ask you to apologize to someone? Did you do it? Did God ask you to return the money? Come on, somebody. Did you do it? Did God ask you to make amends with your ex-spouse or your friend? Here's the key. It doesn't matter what it is. What really matters is, did you obey him? And if you didn't, here's, here's the good news. It's, now's the time to do that. Now's the time to repent and say, God, I, I, I messed up. If you're here and you hear me under the sound of my voice, you say, hey, I, I, I need to just fully trust in the Lord. I need to fully obey him in darkness. I haven't heard from the Lord like I want to hear from the Lord. It hasn't felt close to me. Could it be that God is waiting on you to do that very thing? I want to just do this for a moment here. In this, in this moment, right where you're at. Between you and God and no one else, no big fanfare here, I want you to ask the Lord to seek your heart, to search you, Say, God, is there something that I should have done that I didn't do? This is a moment of, of pure repentance right now. And I believe that when you do what God is asking you to do, God will reveal himself to you again. 